Welcome to the Moose Room, everybody. It is the OG3, and we are joined by a guest this week, a guest that I'm very excited about. We have with us from Review LLP, Natasha Mortensen. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited you're with us. So before we get into more about you, we need to get to the most important thing about you, and that is your stance on these two very important questions. Question, ooh, I don't know which one to ask first, Joe. It's pretty tough, honestly, but I would I would go with uh, not, would her, do, not her with, day job, not okay. her day job. Okay, got it. All right, what is your favorite breed of beef cattle? Beef cattle. I would say my favorite breed of beef cattle, even though that's very difficult, is Simital, because that is what we have at home for our herd. Uh, that's going to be amazing. Choice. That is the first Simmental. Woo! I'll represent. It is? Yeah, isn't that weird? But we had oh. almost a Simmental, but then we allowed um, Amy to go with a Stabilizer. Oh, that's right. It's real hard not to choose limousine, of course. But uh, of course, but I, I... I must choose my family's, my, my kids, and it's my kids' herd, but that's their thing. So. There you go. Well, that yeah. puts the total, and Bradley's still happy because Herefords are out front with six. Black yes. Angus at four, Black Baldy at two, Brahmin at one, Stabilizer one, Gelby one, Scottish Highlander one, Kianina one, Charlay one, and now Simital with one as well. Wow. Herefords are my least favorite, so does that take a Wow. <laughs> that does not count. That does not count. <laughs> I think it's crazy that Black Baldies are in second, or I mean third, excuse me. Yes, that is very interesting. But very interesting. anyways, so moving on to question two. What is your favorite breed of dairy cattle? This will surprise you because I'm sure you're expecting me to say Jersey, but I am going to say Montbilliard because it is my ode to Dennis Johnson, who I loved very, very dearly. So I loved listening to Dennis talk about all his wild stuff he did at the research station. And I, I'm going to go with that. So I'm, I'm channeling my inner Dennis. It's very Aww. disappointing we'll for both of you. For, for Bradley and I, but the Jersey we, second number. We two. understand. We understand. It doesn't. But that's help a us, very nice but. homage to it Dennis. Is. Agreed. Yes. Dennis Agreed. was my fave. So. With that, that's Holstein's at seven, Jersey's at six, Brown Swiss at four, Dutch Belted at two, Montbelliard now at two, and Normandy at one. Nice. Very interesting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I understand that I, we, we were hoping for a Jersey vote cause that would have put us back in the lead with Holsteins. And when I say we, I mean, Bradley and I, but not, not Emily. She's, I like to be different. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. My kind of woman. That's right. Natasha. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I think today the, my, well, the first thing to bring up is that the first are, time are you running this episode or am I, you know what? I have a story and it's story time. Oh, okay. okay fine. <laughs> Carry on then. One of the reasons I was so excited that Natasha was coming on today is that before I was in my current job, I went to a summer tour and I got on one of 50 buses for the day or whatever, how many were there. And I happened to get on Natasha's bus that she was giving the tour. It quickly be, became named the fun bus and we did have a lot right. of fun. So that was my first introduction to Natasha and it was an excellent day. And, and that's part of why I'm so excited for today. Uh, it, it was a great time that, that time. And I had no idea what I was in for, but it was a blast. 
Well, I'm glad I could entertain you. It's my goal always. Um, okay, so now I have to tell my fun Natasha story. Perfect. Because everybody has a fun Natasha story. <laughs> oh, I hope so. <laughs> uh, do you know which one I'm going to tell, Natasha? No, I don't. There okay. More than one. <laughs> so one year at the Women's Egg Leadership Conference, Natasha was up on stage speaking, doing a lovely job as always. And suddenly a mouse started to run across the stage. And what does Natasha do? She just goes over, stomps on it, and then just carries on with her presentation. But don't forget, I shoved it under the door. Oh, yeah. I don't know where that door went, but the dead mouse went underneath. That is amazing. I love that. (laughs) I think Joe totally thought that was going to go in a different direction. Like I I, ran screaming or something. No, I I had faith in you. I had faith. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I also have lots of stories about Natasha, but we'll leave that. You know, we were in college together as undergrads, so we'll just leave all those those back there. (laughs) That's a good choice, Bradley. (laughs) Natasha, we are so excited you are here. Obviously, we all are friends with her, and so it's always fun when we can bring a friend of the Moose Room onto the Moose Room. Uh, But, you know, I mentioned you work for Riverview LLP, so Natasha, why don't you just give us kind of the 30-second rundown on on who you work for and what you do there. Absolutely, so Riverview is uh, LLP, uh, so it's uh, actually owned a majority by employees. I'm one of them. And I started here about five years ago. I taught high school agriculture for 14 years prior to that in Morris and came uh, here to do more work uh, with getting as many students on the sites and in classrooms as much as I could, spreading the good word of agriculture. Uh, Not just dairy and beef and crops, but everything. Riverview is a dairy, beef, crops, and uh, we do our own construction as well, farm. And uh, we focus mostly in dairy in Minnesota. And we uh, also have beef in Nebraska, our genetic herd of limousine cattle. And uh, we raise our beef dairy cross. Uh, down in New Mexico, and then our dairy heifers are raised in Arizona, and then we dairy in Arizona, South Dakota, and of course, Minnesota as well. That's kind of the beef and dairy background. Uh, We have a genetic herd, so we sell bulls, uh, which our sales coming up soon. Uh, We also then grow crops, um, but we really rely mostly on local farmers to grow all of our crops, and my husband is one of them. He is a crop farmer in Chippewa and Swift County, and he grows for uh, some of the farms down there. So that's kind of the bird's eye view, but it's a great company, great culture, great place to work. And we're all really definitely a team. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a that's a, a lot going on, a lot going <laughs> yeah. on. And and your job specifically is to, to communicate with the public about everything that's happening, right? And and kind of facilitate that, right? Yeah. So when I came here uh, five years ago uh, from teaching, Uh, It was just me working, uh, really focusing just on what we call community relations. So finding ways to be involved in our community. We kind of have these buckets that we talk about here. And those buckets include animal care, care for our environment, care for our people, and care for our communities. Uh, So with that that focus on communities, that's really where um, I came into kind of a blank slate. Traveled to all the states, all the sites, all the communities, met all the egg teachers, the 4-H coordinators, the police department, like whoever, and just tried to figure out how do we best serve each community that we're in because they're all so different across all the states. So just got to build lots of relationships and build such a cool network of giving back. Uh, We now have four of us that focus in community relations, two in Minnesota, one South Dakota, and one Arizona. 
uh, and then we kind of take care of Nebraska and New Mexico uh, between the four of us. You know, it's it's become something that uh, has been really integral, I think, in our our success as a company because we look at our success as partially how are we providing for the people we're around and that's our communities. So uh, it, it includes a lot of things, uh, social media, video work on trying to share our story, lots of tours. Uh, we all give a lot of tours. We love to have people on the farm. Uh, also spending time in classrooms, that's from kindergarten all the way to post-secondary schools and having kids or college students on the farm as well. So we provide opportunities for laboratory experiences with the livestock, which is what I'm very passionate about, is getting kids with livestock. So whether that's feeding calves all the way to palpating cows um, or learning about nutrition and being really hands-on in the barn, doing, you know, practicing vaccinations, just things like that, just giving kids an opportunity. You know, we have less and less kids growing up on farms. It's going to be hard to get them excited about a future and agriculture if we don't give them opportunities. So that's really what drew me to this job and this opportunity with Riverview was the, the chance to do that for young people. You know, I think it just seems like such a natural fit going from being an egg teacher into doing this where it's still a lot of education. It's just looks a lot different. And your classroom is, you know, the barn and the facilities there. And I think yeah. that's really, really cool. The best classroom is the barn. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. I can learn in the classroom a little bit, but uh, I I don't really pick it up until I'm on farm or I'm doing it in person with, you know, hands on. And I, I love that there's an opportunity for that. And I think right now we have this kind of conception, I think, that in, in these small towns that everyone grows up on a farm or that there's all these small towns where people are very much in tune with agricultural all the time. And that's not necessarily true. You know, these small towns have a lot of people that don't spend time on farms. And I think that's, it's just as important as trying to educate people uh, in more, more urban areas as well. So mm-hmm. I'm really, I'm happy that there's some place for people to go to do that. I think one of the biggest mistakes we can make in agriculture is assuming these kids in towns of population 50 know about agriculture, because I can tell you they don't. I, I go into schools in Campbell, Minnesota, which is tiny. I don't know what the population is, but it's real small. And those kids also, they don't really know a lot about it. And, you know, we need to go into all those situations, assuming that everyone knows nothing because even the kids that know some things because they grew up on a farm, they're very singular. And usually what they know, because most farms these days are pretty singular. I mean, they're growing just crops or just having one species of livestock. Uh, So there's so much to learn. I'm learning all the time about things that I don't know about still. And I'm 42, so. I, I'm a lifelong learner, and I think it's good we treat everyone with the the respect that they don't have to know everything, and that we're willing to share our story. Oh, I love that, and we we love lifelong learners here at the Moose Room. <laughs> That's good. We, I'm like one. to be an extension, you have to be a lifelong oh. learner. You know, we love education, and and I know you're so passionate about it as well. So yeah, it's so great to hear you say that. I am sensing a little bit of a trend with our guests now that I think about it. I mean, basically, we just are finding people that aren't an extension that basically do a lot that of the same us. things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it. They're yeah. an extension of extension. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. I, yeah. And is there a problem with that, Joe? Or we're okay? Okay. No, no, that's that's fine. I just, you know, just <laughs> got to keep it in the back of my head just in case. Well, I am partially a product of extension for sure. I mean, I was a huge 4-H'er 
Um, yeah. FFA too, um, but for, big in 4-H and uh, also been through some really cool programs run by Extension, like the Marl program. And I just have had such great experiences working with Extension. So it just, you guys are just breeding more Extensions. That's what you're doing. It has been good to, you know, we've we've done 4-H programs with Riverview before, with 4-H youth, and uh, you've been a very good partner to help bring that world to kids. You know, I've participated in some of those activities where we've gone out into the barns and palpated cows and looked at TMRs, and uh, it's a, a great learning experience there. So it, it provides an avenue to do that for us. Yeah, we, we can't get a whole lot done without some of that partnership in private industry, and that that's... It's a great thing that we have that chance. I think it's important too that everyone listening, it doesn't matter how big or small or anything. It doesn't matter anything. If you wanna reach out to young people, it is as easy as calling up your 4-H uh, office in your county or calling up your local egg teacher and asking how you can help. And it, it's that easy. And they'll tell you how you can help. Absolutely. Oh yeah, there's always something for you to do. Yes, I, I love that as, as a big volunteer myself in 4-H and FFA. So, you know, Natasha, a thing that you're kind of kind of known for in, in our circles is, you know, you do a lot of speaking with communities and the public in your role, but also speaking to A groups about how we can do a better job of being an advocate or an advocate, as we like to say. First, I want to know a little bit about your journey to like being that person, the person that we ask to teach us how to do this stuff? So I, I'm not even sure when it first started, I guess, but as a teacher, I really uh, found really great opportunity in having my kids teach the elementary students in our community in Morris uh, about agriculture. So we had a program called PALS, which was actually a national FFA program where the older students would mentor elementary students and teach them about agriculture and just be a good role model. So we did that for a long time and a past graduate from Morris had actually come in on behalf of the pork producers here in Stevens County and said, hey, you guys should take your show to the cities and like we'll help fund it. And I talked to uh, Joel Larson, who at the time was the Minnesota State FFA advisor, and I think he thought we were completely insane. But I worked with Al Withers, uh, who was at the Minnesota Egg in the Classroom at the time through the Department of Agriculture, and we planned our first Urban Egg Day. And we went into um, St. Paul schools and we brought a trailer with livestock and pens and a bunch of FFA kids and we had lessons ready and we stormed that school with lessons in the classroom and the livestock outside and the kids taught them about the livestock and what they ate and, and what products, byproducts and food products we got from them. And that kind of really opened my eyes to the opportunity in reaching people who don't have experience in agriculture. And, and why would they? Uh, I often want to remind people that there's no reason people in the city should know about food production. They're, why would they know? They don't see it. Uh, we have kids that live in our communities that don't know about it. So that's an unrealistic expectation that people should know. Plus, we just already talked about the fact that we don't even all know about food and fiber production, everything about everything, right? So there's, there's no reason uh, when I hear people say, well, you eat, so you should know. Um, I will have a nice discussion with them about how that is really unrealistic. So that's really how I got really interested in it. And then we started really teaching our students how to reach young people. Uh, the Miracle Birth Center was built at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds. And I really enjoyed being involved in, in that 
as well, but just saw this huge opportunity to help people know how to have that conversation, not only with people that are angry about agricultural things, but people that are passive, like they, they just don't, you know, they, they see articles, they share articles, and maybe it's something that isn't true. Like, how do we have those conversations with those people? Because they're not mad about it. They just are, they just don't know. Uh, so it's just a really big opportunity to reach people. So then I just started getting asked to help people learn how to do that. And with Riverview, I really, in my job and having to deal with the community, took a lot of opportunities working with the Center for Food Integrity, attending some of their conferences, and learning how to best uh, talk about agriculture some more. Uh, and then actually we here with Riverview, we actually had have had yearly classes and have made infographics to help all of our 1300 employees in all the states know how to talk about agriculture with people in our communities, because that's a really important piece of agricultural communications within our own communities as well. Uh, and then it's just stemmed into people asking me to come help, which I love to do. Uh, it's, it's very worthwhile for me to spend my time doing that uh, and helping people know how to talk about it. Because if we don't talk about it, no one's going to talk about it. Uh, and if we don't tell our story, somebody else certainly is going to. And we probably uh, need to think about who that is and what they're saying. Wow, that's that's great. I just I agree with so much that you said. I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Yeah, I think you're so right that, you know, we need to be telling our story and and because if somebody else does, it's it's not going to be our actual narrative. And I know that, yeah, I've I've been to your presentations before. I still have one of your infographics on like the four things to know to mm -hmm. advocate or whatever it was. Still have it. I mean, it's in one of my office boxes, but. But, you know, you know where it is. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I do. I and do. it's easy, right? It's not yeah. anything mind blowing. That's what's so great about it. It's just it's easy stuff. It's just that we realize that people are there to learn from us. I do think uh, one of the most important things that we need to remember always, and I, I often like to talk about my personal life and my work life. Um, so I'm owner here with Riverview and also an owner of our family farm. Um, my husband and I and our kids, we have a small cow-calf herd, which is really just a show cattle problem gone wrong uh, because that's just <laughs> what happens um, when you just keep showing heifers you just eventually have this herd of beef cattle uh, and my husband is super uber passionate about crop production we both grew up on crop farms no livestock background really other than 4-H animals not him just me uh, so it's been you know definitely a, a learning curve for us but uh, I represent both the small farm and very small crop farm, uh, and, you know, barely can be a full-time gig. And the only reason it can be is because he has Riverview Farms close to him to, to grow corn and, and alfalfa and to work silage crew and all that stuff. So he's a small farm. We have small beef cattle and then all the way to the Riverview model, which is definitely built on a larger efficient model, right? That That is more a little bit uh, in tune with the Southwest and West Coast for sure. Um, so we don't necessarily fit in the north always uh, with the, you know, how dairy is set up here uh, in, in the smaller dairy size, but they, they're all good. And I think that's what's most important for people to know is farming is farming. It doesn't matter if you have 50 cows or you have 10,000 cows, the same things are happening for the cow care, in my opinion, um, for those cows. And there are people that are caring for the everyday needs and the nutritional needs and working together to do that on both size farms. And you know what? All of the people that eat food and drink milk, 
they want choices and America's great, right? We have so many choices. And if people want to drink organic milk, great. I more power to you. Like that's great. If you don't, then super, you have options at the grocery store. And the biggest mistake we make in agriculture is that we beat each other up so much that the people that don't know about agriculture, they are so confused because if we can't even get along within the farming industry, then we can't expect people to look in and be comfortable with it either. Cause they just kind of see this internal struggle that we're having with ourselves and, and who's better and who's worse and who's big, who's small. It doesn't matter. We're all part of the food system and we're all really important. One of the big questions I had coming into this, and I think you've, you've kind of danced around it a little bit, Natasha, was you're, you're clearly very open with having people come to the farm and, and try to, and, and doing that. How do you continue to stay upbeat and positive when, and keep yourself from getting jaded when some of the, the feedback that we get from the public can be pretty harsh. Like, how do you, how do you stay so upbeat? I stay upbeat because I know that in all the situations that I have ever been on at any farm, including my small farm and this large farm, people are doing the right thing. And, and the, the fact that there's so many forces out there trying to make that a reality to people that is, is not the way it is that we want to make this uh, everyday picture of, of especially livestock production, but even crop production with the environmental things, I mean, they're getting drugged down too. And, you know, we have so much out there working against us and people and money and media and whatever it may be that, that, that it's, it's just hope, right? It's faith in what we have. It's faith in a system in the United States of America that is nowhere else. This is, I'm going to get all worked up. Um, so it's, it's, there's nowhere else. I've been to other countries. I have, I know what we have here and I want people to understand what we have and that we don't want to lose it because as you guys know, there's initiatives currently in the United States and some States where they're literally trying to do some things legally that they don't make sense. And they don't represent the truth of agriculture and they don't represent the truth of animal care and environmental care that farmers are taking very seriously and have forever. So that's what keeps me upbeat is I have faith in all of us. I have faith in every farmer. I have faith in all the food we have in the United States because it is the safest, most wholesome, most affordable food supply in the world comparative. So. Uh, that's what keeps me upbeat. I'm a little bit passionate about it. Just a I'm tiny not sure bit. If you can tell, uh, but I had no idea. No, it's not coming through at all. Oh, my boy. Yeah, I, I, it's taking everything I have not to get really close to my screen. Well, I, I, it's good to hear that that you really are seeing that on a wide scale that you have faith in that. Because I, I, I mean, that's the thing that I, I try to convince the public a lot of times is the farmer wants to have happy cows not just because it's the right thing to do, but it because it makes them more successful. You want happy, comfortable cows for as long as possible. Like that, that's what you want. And I, I think that it's, it's weird that it's so hard to convince someone of that message. Uh, and I don't, I, I, it just blows my mind that, that that's such a weird concept to convince someone of. Joe, that's why tours are the most important. And I know people are maybe thinking, I can't do that. I can't give tours. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Let me give you the rundown. This is all you need to know to give a tour. 
Uh, and right now with COVID, we do virtual tours. We like literally took a video camera and went around the farm like we would be on a tour and we show it on a Zoom and we explain our farm. It doesn't, COVID can't, doesn't have to stop you. So if you have a farm and you wanna show somebody, remember a few things. Number one, it needs to be clean. Okay, we all have these areas, right? These areas that we think no one sees. Uh, so don't go to those places if you don't want people to see it. Um, but where you are gonna take people, you need to make sure it's clean because that is a representation of food safety. And it's also a representation of the animal care, the safety for your employees and your family. Uh, and also just a representation of all of agriculture. Like you are literally representing everybody when you have somebody to your farm. And I don't want that to scare you because sometimes it's good just to look at something from another person's point of view. If you're not sure if your farm is tour ready, um, invite somebody to come look, send me pictures. I will tell you, um, you can send people an extension, your pictures or have your local FFA advisor for each person out and just say, Hey, what do you think? Like what, what, where should I fix this up a little bit? Uh, plus that's good for everybody. It's just cleaning up a little bit. Right. Uh, so clean, clean is important. Also get ready to talk about practices. Most people that have a problem or a question about agriculture, it's all about the practices that we're using. And we want to make sure we address those as we are showing people our farm. So when you show, uh, like if Brad were giving a tour, which he does a lot of, and then he brings them up to Riverview and I love that. Uh, I love getting the organic folks out here. It's so much fun. Uh, I'm just waiting to be invited on the tours to their farms, Brad. You know, you wanna make sure that you are talking practices in a way that these are my cows. So this is how I care for these cows. You know, what are your, what is your vaccinations that you're giving and why? Why do you give vaccinations? If you use antibiotics, talk about that. How do you give the antibiotics? Why do you choose when you are going to give the antibiotic? Why would you choose when not to give the antibiotic? What do you do to make sure you're following a withdrawal period? What is a withdrawal period? I mean, just explain everything like that because as much as you think that's over people's head, it isn't because all the food at the grocery store is labeled with all of these things and people don't, they just think it's bad because it's on a label. So we need to start talking about all those practices. So they, they understand what that is and things like hoof trimming. And, uh, you know, what do you do from winter to summer? You know, Brad has a great story to tell with his pasture cows and, and Riverview, like our cows don't go on a pasture. So why, why don't we do that? We explain those things, um, but every little detail matters. And that's what people really want to know. They don't want to just know, these are my cows. We milk them, you know, twice a day, three times a day. Uh, we get milk, you know, that can be your tour or Holsteins or Jersey or well, billiards. Uh, so they, they don't need to know all that. They, they want to know all the, they want to know all the facts. They want to know the practices and the whys behind every single one of those. So get ready for those types of conversations and be ready with it and know what you're going to say. Um, and then you, your questions will go off of those things because people do want to know and, but they don't know how to ask. They don't know what to ask. So if you just talk about it and give the facts, they'll know more questions to ask if they have them. So that's just a little bit of feedback, but just be really open to people. Uh, provide things like uh, boot covers, just have some on your farm because most people that come don't want to have poop all over themselves. Um, I'm happiest when I'm covered in poop, honestly, but um, most people are not. So keep those things in mind. And, and the more you can have any kind of a hands-on experience or, or have them witness something that's happening on the farm that day, that's great. And, 
And it doesn't have to be perfect because nothing's perfect. Farms aren't perfect. No business is perfect. Um, if you do have a cow that's looking a little sick, you point it out. Don't wait for them to ask you. If you go by the mastitis pen and a dairy, I talk about it. If you talk about it before they ask, it's always better. So just bring all those things up that are challenges on the farm as well, because it's not easy. And we want people to know that too. One thing that I think of uh, is for farmers to go to other farms and, and go on tours of other farms. You know, we might think that, oh, well, it's just cows and we know how they do it and we know how cows are fed. We, we don't. We don't know how each other's farms have done it. And frankly, every tour that I go on or go to other farms, I always learn something new. So go to other farms and experience what those are and learn how they're giving the tours and what people are, uh, how the public or other people are interacting with them on their tours. And you actually might learn something good. You know, I, I think the running joke is, Natasha, that I could give the tour at Riverview because yeah, I've been out there so many times. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's going to learn about other farms as well and, and seeing what's happening because I, I would bet that, uh, you will learn something new. That's my favorite thing about the cow industry. Beef, dairy, doesn't matter. It's not cookie cutter. And there's so many different ways to make it work for all these different lifestyles, your 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 family life, whatever you got going. There's so many different ways to make it work. And, and that's my favorite part because it, it isn't like walking. Yeah, when I go to Brad's farm, I know that I'm going to learn something new and something's going to be completely different than any farm I've been on before. And, and I'm always looking for those little pieces that are just a little bit different and the different practices that are happening. I love what you said, Natasha, about the, you know, getting out there and being ready for the practices and, and really like saying, all right, up front, here's what I do, not just what I do, but why. And I think when we definitely relate that back to doing it for the cows, like it's because I want the cows to be healthy and happy, and comfortable and, and being able to relate it back to that pretty hard to argue with when that's your goal, right? Yeah. And being able to talk to you about your animal care, you know, here with Riverview, we have a Be Kind program. It's our own internal animal care program. We have our Be Safe program, which is our, our employee, how we stay safe because no one should get hurt at work ever. Uh, so we talk about those on every tour. We have signs up. It's, it's part of the conversation. And also, uh, for those of you that are worried about liability, it's really important that you know that the state of Minnesota has a statute that protects farmers. All you have to do is have that, you have to say that in your tour. And, and we actually have a poster up in our tour areas. And I, that's, I just bring up right away, this is a working farm. You need to follow directions as we move around. Everyone on the farm has the right of way, um, but but know that this there are dangerous things that happen on farms. So you know, beware and and be look on the lookout. So there is protection for people in Minnesota, which is nice because that's not the fact in all states. Um, so some people are scared of liability, uh, but there is protection there as long as you make sure people know it's it can be dangerous. And I'll, I'll find that uh, and find the exact statute. I'll put it in the show notes. So that if you want to read it, that, I mean, it's the, I think I want to call it the agritourism. I think that's the word they yes. use, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. It, it, it's, it's a great thing that we have in Minnesota and it allows us to be, continue to be open uh, and yeah, not have to worry about that liability as much. It's just amazing. Also, if you're in the farm, do the farm program to the dairy industry or you are involved with BQA in the beef industry, those are really good things to talk about on your tours. Um, and if you haven't looked into those types of things, you should, because they're really, really good. Uh, the dairy industry, you know, through your checkoff, 
offers free classes to learn how to advocate for dairy. Through the beef industry, there's something called the Masters of Beef Advocacy, which is an online uh, advocacy class you can take to get a certification, be part of a Facebook group, and it's awesome. I have so enjoyed being part of those groups because you learn from everyone else and questions they get and how to best represent your industry that you're trying to, to represent. Uh, if you're more on the crop side, of course, there's checkoff groups for everything. So lean on those groups, Farm Bureau, Farmers Union. There's a lot of opportunities to become more involved if you want to. Yeah, and those groups are there for a reason and they, they wanna help. I mean, I, I, haven't, uh, I haven't reached out to any of those checkoff groups yet and had someone uh, be unpleasant to work with at all. So just reach out and, and get a hold of them. They're, they're great, great resource. So I know you were kind of talking about this before, Natasha, too, that some people are just angry. You know, when people are angry or hateful, we can do our best to just ignore it and, and not engage or let it get inflammatory. Sometimes it happens, but I'm just curious, you know, what, what are your tips for kind of keeping your cool or we're dealing with people that are just, like I said, angry, hateful, very aggressive, you know, not really giving it up, you know, name calling all of that. That is a great question, Emily. So uh, there's a couple of different situations you could be in. First of all, it could be a person that's really mad but they are never going to agree with you. And that's okay. You can agree to disagree. That is still an acceptable thing to do, even though it seems like it's not sometimes. Be willing to have the conversation though. So my tips are, if you have somebody who's kind of ask a question that you think is a little bit aggressive, or they are just being very aggressive, uh, is to stop what you're doing. And first of all, you need to control your emotions because we and agriculture are very passionate about what we do and emotions are not going to help you at this time. So you just gotta keep cool because we don't know why they think that and we don't know where they heard it. So we need to find that out first. So first of all, it's, you know, if you haven't introduced yourself yet, do that first, uh, shake hands or bump elbows or whatever you're comfortable with in this world. And at that point, ask them where they heard that or you know where they, where they found that information. And, and they're going to tell you they saw it on Facebook, or maybe they heard it on the news, or uh, maybe they're an animal rights activist. That can happen too. So at that point, it kind of gives you a little bit of an idea. And then you can tell them from your perspective what you do know and relate it to something uh, that would make sense to them. So what you're going to do in all these situations uh, even if it's a person, the other side of this is somebody who just heard something, but they're not mad about it. They're just, they just heard it and they took it as truth. Um, so no matter what, you're trying to match a value. We have the exact same values as the people, honestly, hopefully, than the people that are thinking these things or wondering about these things because they're either valuing the safety of food, the care of livestock, the care of our environment, the care of the people working in agriculture, including immigrants. So we all kind of have the same values. They don't look necessarily the same, but the value connection is what keeps people having a conversation. So Emily, if you were to say to me, well, you have pretty big dairy farms. Like I've seen the videos of what you do to those cows on those dairy farms, right? Um, and then I would say, oh, well, where did you see that? Or where did you hear that? And I'd get that information. So I automatically know from Emily's comment right off the bat that Emily is very much values animal care. She, she values that. Uh, so I also value animal care. 
a lot because I am a farmer. And because of that, I have a connection with Emily, no matter if she is an animal rights activist in the highest 1% of aggressive against agriculture, and I'm the total opposite, we can have a conversation and she does not have to agree with me, but I'm going to be sure that I talk about some of those things we do to take care of our livestock, uh, zero tolerance for mistreatment. I, I'm going to cover those things with her if she's willing to listen. Maybe she's not. And you know what? That's okay. You can just say, you know, we're just going to agree to disagree. But if you ever want to come visit my farm, I would love to have you. And I will show you everything you want to see. And then you can, you know, see what you think after that. I think that basically at the end of that is that that's it. You, you have taken a situation that could have really got out of control if we don't let our emotions take over and have a conversation because that's what we want to do. We want to share our story and that's how you can do that. Uh, people online, uh, you always want to go to a message. Don't ever, you're going to do the same concept, but over messaging uh, and not on a wall of anywhere. Uh, you do not ever want to do that. So uh, take it to a message and then, you know, send them articles, invite them to your farm, send them some videos that are helpful and open up that dialogue. One of the relationships that I have built uh, was with Paul Shapiro. He used to work for HSUS as their VP of Livestock Affairs. And I heard him speak uh, at McDonald's University at a Center for Food Integrity event. And I mean, vegan since he was very young, uh, very much against livestock production. And I still call upon him to throw things past them sometimes. Uh, he now is really in the laboratory meat and meat filler business. He has his own company in California, but he'll like zoom in with our advocate scholarship kids from Riverview and talk about veganism and why, why, why he does what he does. Uh, and it's great because those relationships are important. Um, I could dislike him. He could dislike me because we let emotions get in the way, but instead we had a conversation once and we just keep an open mind with each other um, and agree to disagree. That's, that's great advice. I think it, it, especially with the internet, these confrontations are, are happening more and more and more frequently. Right. And I think, uh, that's the that's the key to be polite keep keep your head about you your emotions under control be okay with the conclusion being that you're not going to agree you're not going to convince this person i think that alone knowing that that's one of the possibilities and that's okay is a big help at least for me because sometimes the person's just angry and there's nothing you can do about it and i i think we we covered this way back like in the single digits episodes you know i I'm not going to tell you how to eat. I'd prefer if you didn't tell me how to eat as well, but either way is fine. And whatever value you find in whatever you're doing, I think Natasha's point is the most important. We're both doing it for probably some of the same reasons, right? Animal care, environmental care, however we're going to do it. Um, there's some shared value there. And I, I think it's really difficult for me to find that sometimes, but uh, it does help when you do realize where that person's coming from. It, it could be on common ground. And don't forget that organic milk, natural beef, plant-based proteins, they all come from farmers. And if we're telling people that those are not good things, we are, we are tearing down another segment of agriculture. If people want to eat plant-based protein, more power to them. You know, that it's, it's a very small part of the protein world right now. And and it's okay. It's their choice. I like how you said that, Joe. I, I think it is. It's, it's about what people want to do. As long as they are willing to hear the truth, 
uh, it doesn't mean they have to change their mind, right? You go to Whole Foods and people get kind of worked up about some of that stuff in agriculture. And they're all farmers that provided all of that food. I think it took me a long time to realize that that in within agriculture, there's an, there's enough to go around, right? We don't have to have someone fail so that another segment of the industry can succeed. And that that's what you got to keep in the back of your mind. Yeah, I give Bradley a hard time about loving organic stuff every once in a while, but it doesn't mean that I, I'm down on organic farmers. I want them to succeed just like I want conventional farmers to succeed because there's enough room for everybody. Yeah, one thing yeah, I love about Brad is, you know, he brings organic farmers to Riverview because he just wants them to see that perspective. And Brad will drink non-organic milk. <laughs> you know secrets right? out brad right brad secrets you out. well oh of course yes oh exactly. of course of course of course yeah <laughs> yeah sound sounds like a man exposed he doesn't want to <laughs> but he <Yeah>. will <laughs> okay it's okay yeah but no when i say that like you know and in, in an extension and and i feel like you feel the same way too natasha like i am for every farmer and every farm and yeah we do need everybody and yeah i tell people i'm like you know we all eat what we eat for different reasons you know it usually comes down to like our values and our beliefs for a while, not anymore, but for a while, uh, my 13 year old niece was a vegetarian. And when my sister first told me, she was like, Emily, be nice. And I was like, I will be, you have to worry about, you know, her uncles, my brothers, you don't have to worry about me. So I just asked her like, so I'm like, why, why do you want to be vegetarian? Or, you know, and she goes, I just, I just really think it's wrong to eat animals. And I was like, great, perfect, no problem. And, uh, and I think a good point to make there, Emily, is that, that that's, a, that's a fine reason, right? Yeah. Some people will just say, oh, I just don't like the texture. My son cannot eat eggs, never, from when he was a baby baby, when you can give babies eggs, to now being 14. He will not, he just hates them in his mouth. And it's not like he hates chicken well he does hate chickens but it's not like he hates the whole poultry industry he just like literally right. can't stand the texture of it and a lot yeah. of people just don't like that so they have nothing against farming but we might assume they do when they say they're a right yeah and then when we if, if we start to engage in an aggressive way you know what do people do automatically they get defensive and then yes. you've yeah kind of created a mess uh that that really wasn't there to begin with and that's why the question of where did you hear that or why do you think that Number one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Good point. Yeah. Good news for my niece. She she's eating meat again, but she's she's only eating red meat, not poultry. Well, whatever. <laughs> she's That's my kind of girl. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. I think we got time for one more question. Uh, and one of the things I, I was thinking about beforehand was I, I, I'm in the city right now. I'm probably going to raise a son in the city. I'll have opportunities to get to a farm, right? But if I'm in the city or I'm in a small town and I don't feel like I have as many opportunities to get on a farm, are there any activities that kids can do in a more suburban or urban area that could connect them to the agriculture? Like my first thought is gardening, right? I mean, that growing your own food in some way. Is there is there anything else besides that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you can have bees in, in the city. You can have chickens in the city. Um, so give them those experiences, uh, but get them on uh, farm pages, watching YouTube videos of farms, even that kind of stuff, doing that as a family, and then just talking about it or having an activity. Uh, the Farm Bureau Foundation has the Egg in the Classroom materials that you can order from them. Many of them are free from your state. Egg in the Classroom, you can order free things like activities to do. 
Uh, you can also go on the National Egg in the Classroom Matrix and find lessons from every age that you can do with your family. And they're super fun. Uh, so do those things, but urban agriculture is huge. So there's a number of places. There's a, a very large Hmong population that grows just insane amounts of vegetables and they do lots of farm to school in the cities. I'm not gonna think of the name of it. Maybe one of you will. Is it the Good Earth? It's by the U of M right on Larpender. That place is amazing. You can go there and um, get a tour. You can go there and uh, rent their kitchen out. Uh, you can, uh, you should look into it because I would love to, I've, I've been there with Marl and I've taken my uh, advocate scholarship group there to learn about urban agriculture. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunities. There's also a really cool thing called the Green Garden Bakery, which would be a great place to take kids in the city. Uh, it is high school students in the North Minneapolis School District. And they, uh, you can look them up on YouTube even because they have a, a bakery and they use all their vegetables they grow in their garden. Uh, and they, it's a student run, uh, young person run bakery. I mean, they do everything and they'll do even outreach activities. Uh, look them up. They're on Facebook. You can order food, but bringing even your family to somewhere like that just to get bakery deliciousness and meet some of the kids that are doing that and learning about what they're learning about, that is the best. Also providing your teachers that your students go to school with, with the links to Minnesota Egg in the Classroom, send them to them and say, these are great activities. They're, they meet standards. Uh, please, you know, take a look at them. Um, I would love to come in because I know about agriculture and help. So there's so many ways to give kids uh, in urban areas. There's lots of people that do virtual tours. I do virtual tours with urban students and even tours on the farm for some of them that come all the way out, but it's a long way. So you need to be that resource for those teachers because they may not know either. They don't know how to find that information sometimes. You can also request to have Princess K of the Milky Way come visit yes. your classroom. Yes. Just saying. And the Minnesota Beef Ambassadors, there's Pork yeah. Ambassadors. There. Yeah. Just you need to be that person to connect your teacher though, because I don't know how else they would really get that information without some kind of a connection. And I think this might be a correction. You said good earth. Is it the good acre? Is that the Yes, the good acre. Yeah. Just wanted, wanted good to make earth sure. Good earth is a kind of tea, I think. And it's all, it might be a restaurant as well, but the, the yeah, place. Yeah, I think there's a restaurant, restaurant in Roseville. Yeah. Yes, it is. And okay. I bring my students there, which you should bring your kids out um, to or your friends and try the the burgers they have a go there and they get one of everything and try it because it's important that we know what things taste like i've tried the impossible burger i've tried i've tried it all and i think we have to you know I've tried all the milks i want to know what they taste like because how can i say they're bad i can't and i don't even think they're all bad i mean no they, i, I they agree are. i agree so. i i've i've tried them all too and i i it's good so good earth is the restaurant the good acre is acre. what we're talking about yep, with uh right by the u of m Right Thank by you the U of M. Looking that up. Yeah, I wanted to make sure because I was like, I think I've eaten at Good Earth. I know that's a restaurant yeah. for sure. <laughs> I think that's it, right? All right. Let's call it there. Well, I think that is a wrap. Thank you so much, Natasha, for joining us again. We were so happy to have you with us. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, Brad and I see each other quite a bit at our boys' basketball games. So uh, he asked me, and I think I said yes in a millisecond because I was so excited. So that's right. thank you for having me. Good. Yeah, of course. So, you know, that's it for this week. If you have questions, comments, scathing rebuttal, you can email us at themoosroom at umn.edu. 
That's T-H-E-M-O-O-S-R-O-O-M at umn.edu. You can find us on Facebook at UMN Dairy, at UMN Beef. You can find us on Twitter at UMN Farm Safety, at UMN Moose Room, and on YouTube. Search for University of Minnesota Extension Farm Safety and Health and U of M Extension Dairy and Beef. And also you can find Riverview on social media at where, Natasha? At Riverview LLP, at Wolf Cattle, uh, and that's on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, we have websites for both as well. So you can go to our websites and uh, we have a YouTube channel as well for each. So with lots of videos. So go check us out. Riverview's social media is excellent. I love following them. Ah, so great. check Thanks. them out. Yeah. Personal family stuff we do on Keeping It Rural uh, on Facebook. Perfect. I will have all sorts of stuff in the show notes. So check those out. Uh, and yeah, you'll, you'll be able to connect to whatever you want to do. All right. So with that, again, thank you, Natasha. And we will see you all or, you know, you'll hear from us next week. Bye. <laughs> I could decide what joke I wanted to make there. And it, just <laughs> it was kind of fell flat. <laughs> 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 I, I got really nervous. <laughs> um...